In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. That feels weird, doesn't it? How many of you taken down your Christmas tree already? Shame on you. Shame, shame. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's like, right, that's, that's the conundrum. We start Christmas really early out in the world, and then we end it real, right on the day. And then as soon as Christmas Day is over, all the radio stations go back to normal, and then we're right back into the Happy New Year, and here we go. But not for us St. Luke's people. We celebrate it to the bitter end. Until that star rises at Epiphany, we hate keep those trees up. And then for some of us, they become Epiphany bushes until Valentine's Day when we have time to take it down. Well, it's good to be with you all today. We're kind of blending a couple things together. Obviously, Epiphany is tomorrow, the Feast of the Epiphany. And, and today, the gospel reading I selected, there's three to choose from, is the go- same gospel reading you would hear at the Feast of Epiphany, partly as we celebrate the wise men coming uh, in to, to visit the baby Jesus. Now, what's interesting about the wise men is so many of us think of them as three kings. Well, that's not in the text. That's in the folklore of Christian tradition that we often call them kings. And we wrote this beautiful song about them being kings, and we put crowns on their heads. And I'm not diminishing at all the beautiful children who came down the aisle, especially the one carrying the myrrh and his theatrics in a positive way right here in the middle of the aisle were great. Were great because it, it expressed the jubilant and joy that the, the wise men had when they came to see the baby Jesus. That's why sometimes you just got to hand it to children and they tell us the story in a way that we probably all should hear it. But in the text for Matthew, we know they're wise men. We don't know there's three of them. It's a very, it's a plural. It's a plural in the Greek. There's probably a lot of them if we're being honest. There's probably a large contingent of, of people coming from the east from the place outside of Jerusalem who, are, who have seen this star rising, feel moved by this, come to explore and pay homage to this Messiah. And there's a couple of really powerful things about that. These folks have no tie to Judaism. They don't necessarily have a tie to the Hebrew Scriptures, but yet God has come in the form of a babe and not just for the Jews, but for all people. And these wise men early on in Matthew's gospel, represent the Gentiles, those who were not under the law in the same way the Jews were. And here come the wise men. Now they stop and see Herod first, and Herod being Herod uh, says that he wants to pay homage to the Messiah. And he asks his chief priests and scribes in what town this is supposed to happen. And, and instead of sending them, probably because he was worried that they were excited that the Messiah had come and the Messiah was born in the exact place, where the Messiah was supposed to be born, that that would undermine his power and authority. But to try to trick the wise men, he says, I want to go pay homage to this new babe. If you'll just tell me where he is when you find him. He comes to them secretly, the wise men, and then sends them on their way. And of course, the wise men arrive in Bethlehem, find Jesus, find Mary, very moved by this, and they pay him homage. And they give those wonderful gifts of gold, which represents in many ways gifts that's for an earthly king someone of great stature and power and authority. And we know Jesus' definition of power and authority is very different than the world. Very, very different than the world. And then you have frankincense, which is the incense of the gods. It's representative of divinity, something you would burn in the ancient Near East as you were worshiping 
uh, and other religious traditions worshiping gods. It was a very expensive and very sought-after incense. And then you have myrrh. The one most of us may know represents burial. So the baby Jesus, in, in one moment, receives these three gifts that so represent his life and the life that he's going to lead, that he is fully human, and that he's going to reshape and redefine power, that he's fully divine, worthy of worship and praise, and that he is going to die. That the story of the cross only makes sense if you're willing to go back to the manger where it all began, where God chose to come among us. God is with us, not kind of with us, not sort of with us, but with us and still with us. It's in that moment that God moved in history and moved in a way to bring us life. Now, what strikes me in this passage this year that, that I don't, it's funny, I don't think I've ever really stuck on this phrase, but this three times in this text, you hear people say, pay him homage. Pay him homage. First, it's the wise men. When they first visit Herod, they want to come pay him homage. Then it's Herod. And then the wise men pay him homage when they find the baby Jesus. And there's this wonderful image of these people who really have no connection to this story in the same way the Jews, the chief priests, the scribes do, who get up and they go to worship and pay homage to, to prostrate themselves, to kneel at the feet of the Messiah. It begs the question of us, I think, in our world, in our time, and thinking about all the different narratives of Christianity that exist in this world. Some of this I talked about on Christmas Eve. I call them distractions. How do we come and pay Christ homage How far are we willing to push ourselves out of our comfort zone? Where is the east for us? Where is that comfort place? And are we truly willing to go to Bethlehem, to go and be recreated at the feet of Jesus? Are we willing to lay and kneel ourselves at the feet of Jesus, not making it about everybody else, but about ourselves? Are we willing to look at our lives Are we willing to dig in and find the places where we need God anew? Where God needs to be born in us, where God needs to move us so that we get out of our own way, we get out of the distractions of this world and live the Christianity that God invites us to, which is truly representative of the love that we find in that baby Jesus, the love that God had for us when God broke into human history and came in the form of a babe. Now, I'll remind you, that Jesus is fully human. This will probably be my theme of 2020. Y'all are going to all get annoyed by this. But I can't, don't want us to forget his humanity. And don't forget what Herod will do when the wise men don't come back and tell him where Jesus is. He goes and he slaughters the innocent. And that's the feast day we celebrated about six days ago. The feast of the holy innocent. Where Herod sends his troops to kill every child, every male child, two and under in the area of Bethlehem, to try to kill Jesus. Now, Jesus, being fully human in that moment, relied on his parents, Mary and Joseph, to get him out of Bethlehem and to the land of Egypt. And what better place than the land of Egypt, the place where Moses takes and frees the people of Israel and brings them to the promised land? 
Jesus will go to Egypt and then he'll come back to Jerusalem. He'll come back to Judea and begin his ministry. He'll begin by first appearing in the temple and then, of course, in the wilderness at his baptism. But he goes just like Moses to the land of Egypt. And then from there, salvation comes. And there's power in this. But we are so, it's so easy to stand in this story and say, that is a beautiful story. I need the wise men. I'm so glad we celebrated it and then move on. It's another thing to stand there and imagine ourselves like the wise men at the feet of Jesus, wondering what do we do now? What are we willing to do now? What are we willing to do for the sake of the gospel? What are we willing to do to let God in anew? What holds us back from being fully present in the life of the church? Is it really that important? What holds us back from being on the same journey the wise men did? That's what's interesting too, folks. The wise men went on a journey. Faith is a journey. We're all journeying every day. We all wake up every day and decide, is today the day that I'm going to push myself a little further or am I not ready? Is tomorrow that day? Every day we're presented with relationships, people, opportunities to express the good news of the gospel. Sometimes it's in feeding people. Sometimes it's in sharing a smile. Sometimes it's in holding someone who's in deep sorrow. Sometimes it's standing in a place of great injustice, a place of great controversy, and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And this is how we give a gift to the baby Jesus. This is how we return the gift of love and life that God gives us when God chose to come among us. It's when we fully embody what that means, when we truly walk with God out of the distractions of this world and into the kingdom of God and become co-creators, co-kingdom builders, and participate with God in the work around us. When we look out on this beautiful view that we have, it's symbolic of the place where we live and work and find life. And how are we going to bring the gospel anew as individuals and as St. Luke's? This is our mission field. Austin, Texas, the world is our mission field. And we all have an opportunity as we leave the manger as we leave the feet of Jesus to go out and share the good news of what we have found here. We can go out and we can feed the hungry. We can clothe the naked. We can walk with those who are oppressed and bring light in life. As Isaiah reminds us, there is a light shining in the darkness. And that light lives in each and every one of us. And today to remind us of the work to remind us of the work that God invites us to do as Episcopalians, as Episcopalians in a church that has always been somewhat imperfect and yet God uses, uses it to perfection. And what I mean by that is the whole Christian church throughout history and time has been made up of people and people aren't perfect, but yet God works in the church. And today, the Church of St. Luke's, this representative representation of the Jesus movement that is St. Luke's on the lake, is going to baptize Mark. Mark began a journey a long time ago. You all, in ways that you don't even know, have walked with him and his family in this time. 
And as we gather around that baptismal font and Mark makes these promises today and as we sprinkle water on his head and as the spirit comes alive in him anew, the spirit that's already been at work in Mark, it's in work with all of us. Mark has come to the feet of Jesus in Bethlehem and he is going out to proclaim the good news, making a choice. Mark has been on that journey. He has followed that star and that star has called him here. And now he makes that next step. And as he does that, we will make some promises to support him, to walk with him, to carry him when he needs to be carried, to hold him up. But more importantly, we're going to recite our baptismal covenant. The covenant that points us to that deeper discipleship, to that deeper relationship with God. Our take on what it means to follow Jesus. And my hope is that today, on this second Sunday after Christmas, that we're flirting with the feast day of Epiphany, that you will hear those words anew. That you'll ponder the questions that I'm going to ask you, that we all are going to respond to. That you will wonder and push yourself out of your comfort zone into living out that covenant. What holds you back? What keeps you from being a full participant in the life of Jesus? What distractions have you latched onto that you know you have to let go of? Distractions that either raise up fear or anger or resentment. What are those distractions that you have to let go of and start to cultivate God in you? And really believe and see that God is with you and cultivate that and be a place where God happens for somebody else. Not be a preacher who preaches to people, but be somebody who enters into relationship with all people. Because the power in this story, my brothers and sisters, is that the wise men remind us that God didn't just come for the Jews. That God came for all people. And the wise men from the east were invited into the salvation that is found in God, in the babe Jesus. And it is our work, and it is imperative work, that we go out and shine that light, just as Mark will begin to do today in a new way, in a way different than he has before. We will join Mark. So let us hear those words, and let us walk with each other into the gospel story anew this year. Amen. Congregation, you remain seated and turn to page eight. The candidates for holy baptism will now be presented. I present Mark Aaron Meyer to receive the sacrament of baptism. Mark, do you desire to be baptized? You didn't you said that without any hesitation. That's great.